Hi, this is Mo Maduro, and this is the fifth episode of six, where I'm mapping best practices and success principles to the functions of the unconscious. For those of you just joining us, here's a quick review. I'm going to unpack some of the success principles and just talk about them in the context of neurochange, looking at it from the perspective of neuroplasticity, coherence, maybe we'll throw a little epigenetics in there, but essentially it's putting the conscious mind back in charge like it should be so it's directing the unconscious instead of the other way around. Now you may have heard that 95% of everything we do is done by habit. I was using that back in the 70s so it's pretty old but I think a more accurate view is that 95% of the time our unconscious is running the show. I think it's a little bit more accurate to say it that way because every day could be different and so you, we may not have habits but if you're being driven by the unconscious I think the outcome is the same, that every day all we're doing is recreating another yesterday and guaranteeing another tomorrow that's just like it. And there's no way that we're going to have self-actualization, transformation, and operate above the line like that. By definition, above the line means we have to transform and change, and the unconscious doesn't like unfamiliarity. So we've got the deck kind of stacked against us in that regard. So let's jump into it. The first one is daily gratitude. Start and end your day by listing things that you're grateful for. Now, gratitude amplifies positive energy. In fact, Joe Dispenza likes to say it's the ultimate state of receivership. But the idea of gratitude is that it's putting us into a state of abundance rather than a state of lack. It's also firing off positive energy. There's always something to be grateful for, and many people use this in terms of the positive mental attitude, and I, I don't want to confuse the two because they have different purposes, and you arrive at them differently. But the bottom line is gratitude, being grateful. As a matter of fact, the exercise I have to retrain your unconscious, to seek positivity instead of negativity, to, to seek what's right instead of what's wrong, you can train your unconscious to do that, and it's an offshoot of gratitude. Click the link in the bio, and I'll put something relative to that exercise in there. Another practice is to create a daily ritual. A daily routine where you visualize your goals, affirm your desires, and cultivate positive emotions. A lot has been written on these rituals, and I think sometimes it even gets a little bit out of control. And I will argue that there are different rituals, and I've been looking at this stuff for decades. There are different rituals for different seasons. If you're a farmer, you don't use the same rituals in the spring as you do in the fall. Think about it like that. And I would say in the context of self-development, personal development, pursuing your goals, transformation, there's project work and there's operational work. The operation is the run rate. I think it, when we're in the operational mode, our daily rituals can be different than they are when we're in the project or creation mode. When you're creating something new, it puts a much greater demand on our conscious mind. I think the neuroplasticity has to stretch more because you're literally breaking with the past. You're, you're transforming your associations and you're going to need more sleep and more rest and you'll need more breaks. Operational, you can just put your head down and just go at it. But if you're doing that in the project realm, that creativity will suffer. Sometimes you just have to get a good night's sleep 
to let the synaptogenesis take, take effect. And so you wake up with different associations and you'll often have the answer. Whereas when you're in the operational mode, you don't go to bed with those big questions requiring creativity. So you can see just by that example that there is a difference, but the bottom line is have a daily ritual, try to avoid uh, getting exposed to things that aren't gonna serve you. This is why a lot of people say don't even grab your phone. There are some, many people who believe that they wanna get through their first one or two tasks that they have planned for the day before they even look at their email. I know Tim Ferriss would talk about looking at email once a month. So you can set the rules for your life Create the environment that you want. Set the expectations with others around you so they don't think you're a jerk. And then live your life. Transform your life. You self-actualize. There's nobody you're going to be able to blame if you don't do that. And another benefit of having a ritual is when you find one that works well with you, we have the opportunity to put automaticity to work for you. What do I mean by that? Our neurons, 100 billion neurons, along with the brain, can process at about 11 million bits per second compared to the conscious mind, which only processes at about 50 bits per second. That's a huge difference. I mean, consider that we're awake somewhere around 60,000 seconds a day. That's a lot of information the conscious mind is never seeing. By using rituals and practices and reminding yourself of goals and other things that you can do, mindfulness, you can actually put that automaticity to work for you by getting your reticular activating system to filter through from the 11 million bits, what you want specifically, not based on what your unconscious decided was best for you to see. It wouldn't be right to talk about best practices and not include auto-suggestion as introduced in the book Think and Grow Rich. Now, when I first came across auto-suggestion five decades ago, I was not sure how it worked. You know, was it a little bit of woo-woo? I know Napoleon Hill talked about the ether and radio waves and how our brains communicate with each other and the mastermind and all that. So it was very easy to go down the woo-woo path. But the reality is that auto-suggestion, remember I mentioned the 100 billion neurons? What we're doing is we're programming those neurons. We're reminding those neurons what's really important to us over and over and over. And 100 billion is a lot. Let's put it in perspective. If you took 1,000 neurons a day and transformed how they are operating, you did that a thousand neurons a day, it would take you 273,000 years to capture all the 100 billion neurons. <laughs> and meanwhile, you've got some conditioning to do, so you're gonna have to go back and get the earlier ones because 300,000 years from now, I'm pretty sure things will be different. But seriously, auto-suggestion is a way to speak to those neurons in a way that they're working for you instead of against you. And they don't work against you because they've got some nefarious thought. The unconscious does not like unfamiliarity and it wants to keep you safe and it prefers the easy route. So left to its own, that's what it's going to do and the easy route is not always the best route. Just consider money. Money is a measure of energy in a way. So you store up the work, even in his, uh, the Wiz Khalifa, he said, hard work forever pays. I think that was a nod to that idea. You can do the work, store up that work, store up that energy you can transform that energy into income as other people are now paying for what you've created. So auto-suggestion is a way to stay the course, do the work, make it happen, allow it to unfold. And I mentioned in the last one about project mode versus operational mode. Projects take a long time because you're creating. And sometimes it takes a while for things to get sorted out. You're, you've got to transform. You have to be somebody different. And just like the seed has to give itself up before becoming an oak. 
or whatever tree, we sometimes have to shed parts of our old belief systems, our old habits, our own paradigms before we could step into the new. It's the be, do, and have instead of what social media and advertising has driven us to, which is the have, do, be. You have to use creative visualization. Visualization is one of the more powerful tools. I think there's a little bit of confusion around it. One, because it's so, so often used with the word manifestation that it's very easy for people to think they're visualizing something into existence. Now, I'm not suggesting there's not a spiritual component of this. I'm a, I have very strong faith. I, I actually use the Bible as, as the owner's manual for my life, and I made that decision over 20 years ago. So I'm very much aligned with the spiritual realm in that there's a spiritual part of all this. But I don't think we have to explain everything in success and personal development through a spiritual lens. As a matter of fact, I think it's dangerous because if you assume that too much is coming from the spirit world, then when things don't work, you're not sure what went wrong. But worse, we walk around wondering, is it going to work or is it not? I mean, some of my expectations did not come true at the worst possible time. So understanding it from the physical realm standpoint and then allowing the spiritual part to be the spiritual part, I think makes a lot of sense. So for me, visualization, there's a lot that happens with visualization that's going on with the neurons that, that has nothing to do with the spirit world. So for example, the, un the unconscious does not like unfamiliarity. So by visualizing something, we're actually making it more familiar and then when it shows up, instead of the unconscious rejecting it, because, you know, the unconscious loves to think of things, everything as a saber-toothed tiger on the Serengeti. So instead of seeing it as a, as a saber-toothed tiger, it actually sees it as the on-ramp to what you want. And that's the other point. When you're visualizing something, you become sensitized to the on-ramps and the clues and the serendipity that can lead you towards that. And because of the reticular activating system, the way it filters by visualizing it more, it's putting it on your radar. So there's a lot of things going on just with visualization. Now, there's other things that happen as well. There have been studies that show where they surround, they, they took people, men who were 70 years old, put them in an environment that was like 20 years earlier when they were 50. The magazines, the music, TV, everything, movies, everything that was around them had to do with 20 years earlier. And I got this out of one of Joe Dispenza's books. This, this is when I first heard about this study. But the result was just after a few weeks, they were more flexible. They had a different gait. They, their minds were actually sharper. And the telomeres, those are the ends of the DNA that actually get shorter. Think of them as caps on the DNA to keep them from shredding. Those caps got longer on the DNA. So here's how visualization actually helps something internally. So this is why I say we don't want to just dismiss it all as, as woo-woo or something on the spiritual side. There's definitely a physical aspect to, to visualization. In addition, now you've heard the stories or the uh, experiments where basketball players were practicing free throws in real life and others were practicing it in their mind and then others didn't practice at all. And the ones who practiced it in their mind were almost as good as the ones who practiced in real life. They've done variations of that study where they had people playing the piano and actually could show mus muscle change, muscular change in the fingers and hands of the people who practiced in their mind. I know from racing, uh, the more you can uh, match the lap exactly to the time even, you're struggling on the edge of ability, you're literally firing off the same neurons that you would be 
in the real world, which is why you get that change in muscularity. So visualization, there's a lot going on with visualization and I don't want to dismiss it as woo-woo, uh, super powerful. I use visualization when I was selling life insurance, all, all products that I've sold, when I would feel like the sale was slipping away, especially if it was a person who was a good match. And I felt that sale slipping away. What I would do is visualize them writing the check. Just that, just visualize them writing the check. Now for years, I didn't know what was going on. For years, I you know, thought that was somehow communicating to their brain which is possible because we do have mirror neurons. Now, mirror neurons were, weren't even known about until the 1980s, but mirror neurons essentially is how we have empathy. We can actually feel the feelings, experience the feelings of the person who's with us and who knows how far that they reach. They're still learning. Uh, 30 years is very, very new. 40 years is very, very new in the context of neuroscience. And remember, the, the brain is over, the youngest part of the brain is over 100,000 years old. So when we say we learned something in 1980, it's not even existing yet in, for all intents and purposes. But, you know, I thought that there was something going on with uh, some ether thing, right? Like what, what Napoleon Hill, I will tell you now, it's, I believe that when we start visualizing the positive, we just engage the other neurons. So you always have, I, I think of it as this way, I always have some neurons that really don't want to go forward. They, 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 they're scared, they just want to hang back. Why? Because they want me to be safe. And anything unfamiliar is not safe. And they spot things early. They're looking for things early. So they may have seen, a, heard a question, or maybe the prospect, you know, uh, squinted or something like that. And the neurons pick up, ooh, danger, danger. You know, the house is on fire, right? Chicken little. By visualizing, we're bringing those other neurons back into play. We're bringing those other neurons back to the forefront and actually ignoring the other ones. We're just putting them to rest a bit while the other neurons, and then added, it adds on to that, the familiarity. So as we go into that next mode, right? So, you know, when you make the sale, selling life insurance back in the day, you then had to get the application. You had to fill the application out. You had to get the voided check. So all those steps were still on the other side of the close. And so getting to the close, there was this vast set of tasks that had to be done by visualizing you make that whole thing more familiar. So I could, I could go on and on about visualizing. If you're not using it, you're missing out. I think you're leaving money on the table figuratively. And then adding emotion to the visualization does even more. And this is how they're able to get the gene expression to change, which is what's leading to epigenetics. And neuroplasticity, right? Because synaptogenesis actually can start taking shape with visualization. So check it out. And for those of you who say you can't visualize, do what you can. Look at a cup on the look at a coffee cup on the table. Close your eyes and and practice seeing the coffee cup with your eyes closed. You'll realize you can visualize, and it's a skill like anything else. Some people do it more easily than others, but you can do it. We want to practice emotional alignment. Now, this is not what I was saying earlier you know, in talking about neurons or visualization, familiarity or anything, I'm actually talking about something a little bit different. So sometimes, especially when you're in creation mode, you're trying to move forward and you just get stuck. You feel stuck. Oftentimes that's your higher self telling you that you're missing some things. You haven't taken care of something. And what you can do is get into a mindful state. And when I say mindful, in the simplest way is like do a couple of box breath cycles, force in, 
hold for four counts, four counts, exhale, hold for four counts, and then repeat. When you inhale, you want to fill up your lungs and lower abdomen. When you exhale, you want to expel it all. That's going to help oxygenate your blood and get the oxygen to your brain, etc. But it also relaxes you because these long, slow breaths, as you know, anxiety brings shorter breaths, but shorter breaths also bring anxiety. Well, the, re the inverse is true. Longer, slow breaths reduce anxiety. Longer, slow breaths will bring more calm. So get into a mindful state and just ask yourself, what's not right yet with this thing that you're doing, this goal that you have or this plan that you have? What's missing? What's not right yet? And just listen. You may not hear anything, but do this a few times, especially when you're feeling some anxiety. Just sit there and listen and don't judge, right? Don't, don't have an answer for yourself because you're literally communicating with your neurons. And I think life is very fractal. In other words, the way the neurons work, you can actually think of them as working very much the way we interact with people. And if somebody comes, if you ask somebody for feedback and you immediately answer them with the response, you're not going to get very good feedback from them anymore. So it's very similar to that. Call me, you know, out there if you want, but you start looking at it for yourself. And I think that's one of the way, reasons why the philosophers of several hundred years ago had it right when they told us how the unconscious worked. They were very, very close, spot on, and now we have the measurement tools to back it up. And I think it was because they were looking at nature, especially look at some of the ancient arts, the martial arts from, from the, the East, Far East. These guys had a lot going on in understanding of the world, and I think, again, they relied on nature quite a bit. So anyway, part of it is because life is fractal, and we're all atoms, so it makes sense that it's fractal. Why would the atoms operate differently? Because they're in a neuron versus in, in something else. So anyway, this is feeling, uh, emotional alignment is you wanna feel like you've already achieved the goals, but to get there, you can ask yourself what's missing and just listen and then acknowledge it and thank, thank yourself for giving and then what else is missing? What's the next one? And then just keep going down the path like that and you'll find some things that you may not have dealt with yet. And like I said, you may not receive anything but if you do, it's better than nothing. But if you practice it enough, I think you'll start opening the door to seeing some of these, these things early. I've learned in creation mode that it's better sometimes to just walk away from it, go to bed and wake up the next day and I'll have answers. I use this thing I got from uh, MacGyver. It's actually the MacGyver method. And he talks about coming up with a question, writing the question out, and then he'd go on a long bike ride or walk something where he's completely removed from whatever the issue was and he comes up with the answer because the unconscious has to rework the neurons. You're actually taking the unconscious to a new place so the neurons that fire and wire together, they've got to wake up some other connections and, and there's neuroplasticity happening as well because I may have a belief or two that does not allow me to have that thing that I need to have and that neuroplasticity needs you to be sleeping for it to, to fully take place. Lots of reasons, but again, the topic was emotional alignment. Next one I'm going to talk about is fill your environment with inspiration. Obviously, you want to inspire yourself, positivity. There's so much negativity around. Uh, you know, the advertising, the basic tenet of writing ad copy is to first find something negative or scary or dangerous, amplify it, stir it up you know, bring it closer to you, make it look like this is imminent and have you decide to take action because you want to avoid that pain. And there's other advertising that's more, you know, drawing you towards. So you do these things and then you can have love. But even that 
the way that advertising is done, if you do these things and these things, you'll have love. They're basically communicating to you that you're not enough. See, we are enough just as we are. But the way advertising is written, either something scary is about to happen or you don't have enough. You're not enough. You're not worthy as you are to have these things that you want. So having inspiration around you and having inspiration around you and especially if it's connected to you. This is the idea of a vision board, but even more so than a vision board, I like I, uh, my movies. This is a software program you could get. The link will be on my page. You click the link in the bio and I'll have it on that page. But my movies is like turbocharging a vision board because it's including affirmations, it's including music, so another sense, and you've got pictures, so now you're tapping into the visualization and then it's something that you can watch. So you can watch it passively or you can get actively engaged. It's something you can watch in the morning, watch at night. So rather than a vision board that can just sort of pass into your 11 million bits per second that you're not seeing, you can take the time to watch this mind movie two, three, four minutes. You decide, you make the mind movie, you pick the, the photos, you pick the video clips, you can create your own and you pick the affirmations. And there's a good way to do affirmations as well because affirmations is something I was teaching back in 1980. And I will tell you that I've had very, very mixed results. It wasn't until recently that I learned some uh, tools and some tactics that make affirmations work better. And one of the things I think that happens with a lot of best practices when it comes to personal development is people are susceptible to hypnosis or hypnotic state at different levels. Somebody's very resistive to hypnosis or hypnotic state will probably not have the same results with affirmations as somebody who can drop off into hypnosis at the drop of a hat. I remember being in a, a class in, in college and or hypnotist, they were called at the time. A hypnotist came in just to demonstrate. It was one of those health classes and he was going to show some stuff. And I raised my hand to volunteer, but he wouldn't let me volunteer because he did a, a little test, a pretest, and he was looking for people whose heads dropped off. And that doesn't mean I can't be hypnotized, but he had a a short window of time to get this done in the class. He wanted high success. So he picked the people who were very susceptible to hypnosis. That stuck in my brain. 30, 40 years later, I realized, okay, maybe there's some connection here when you get into visualization, when you get into auto-suggestion, which is why some people swear by it and other people said it didn't do anything. So go back to the drawing board, look at some of these things, take a look at, at, at some stuff. And as I said, my podcast unpacks all of this. This is just a a taste of what's in the podcast. The podcast covers a lot. We'll cover books from the 1900s, which was called the New Thought Era because of the, the explosion of publishing houses. And there were just so many books written, Science of Getting Rich, Master Key to Riches, Think and Grow Rich, The Game of Life by Florence Shin. So many, so many writings. Even before that, you had even earlier, like Ralph Waldo Emerson's, his essays. <laughs> so many books were written during that time about success and was documenting what many of the philosophers hundreds of years before that were talking about. So it's solid stuff. That'll be in the podcast and more. Some quick housekeeping. Throughout this series of unpacking success principles, I've made references to links or resources that I'll be putting in the notes. If you're listening to the podcast on a platform other than Substack, you're not seeing those notes. To get those links and resources, you'll go to 7
7fitnessareas.substack.com. And that's with the digit seven, sevenfitnessareas.substack.com. Look for episode 23B, as in Bravo. When you look down in the notes under the podcast link, you'll see those resources. I'll put them all into this one episode so you don't have to go bouncing around and you can get back to listening on your favorite platform.